for January 11th, 2021. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 654. He is very obviously an evil wizard. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, never happier than when we are storming the... No, it's just... Sorry, too no, soon. No, 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 not that too soon. soon. <laughs> oh, Can't... Can't even when we're when we are when, when we are engaging in a peaceful transition of popular culture, <laughs> and that's uh you know we're uh we're we're here. <laughs> Look, we're back. We're recording an episode. It's not uh it's not the episode that we we thought we'd be recording this week, but but here we are. So uh how was your week, guys? Anything happen? Anything interesting happen? Well, let me tell you, one thing interesting that happened is is uh my fellow podcaster and by the way, I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with my good friends Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hello, Mark. Just over here, respecting norms and um, the rule of law and all those great things here. The latter of yeah. the two, <laughs> Mark, is uh, is uh, going to be taking a little parental leave for uh, for a little while. And, um, right. you know, I'm very, very excited. Uh, we wish you well on this new adventure. Uh, this I should say this new, new adventure. Um, and uh, how you do it in a New York City apartment, I will uh, I'll never know. But I. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the to the Instagram account. I, I hear you go vertical is what you do when you you know when you run out of floor space you go vertical. Yeah, we're gonna loft the kids is what we're gonna do. It's like one of those one of those like capsule hotels for like for you know a six hour layover. A, a, a complex system of pulleys, I believe, is is in the works now. Yeah, that that's true, folks. I'm having a second kid, um, literally any day now. Um, and this is going to be it for a bit. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss you guys a ton. Um, I, I, I this is not going to be it forever for sure, but, uh, I got to, like I said, there's space is very limited, uh, here in New York city and I'll made all the more challenging, of course, by the wretched COVID-19 pandemic, which continues to rage, um, and do terrible things to our society into addition to the other terrible things that are happening in our society. So, uh, yeah. That's, 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 this is happening guys. Pro this tip, pro, pro podcaster parenting tip, the boom arm of your podcasting microphone serves as an adorable mobile for the for the jo- for the jo- you can hang little adorable things off of it. Yeah, I could have the baby in my lap with the stuff dangling right underneath the microphone. I can still do the podcast. You Brilliant! Can, you can what could possibly go wrong, guys? Problem solved. So we told Mark uh, we would talk about whatever he wanted on this his last uh, episode for a little while before he goes on uh, before he goes on leave uh, in accordance with the overthinking of podcast parental leave policy. So, uh, Mark, what what uh, what's it? What is it to be? What are we going to talk about today? All right, let's not be coy about it. Of course, like, you know, the thing to talk about is the attempted insurrection at the United States Capitol on January 6, 2021. That That is a thing that happened. It's kind of inescapable, unavoidable. Just a side note, we did have a moment. We we're like, can we talk about dad rock? I think, <laughs> maybe on like Monday yeah, of this I week. have so many oh, notes on Toto's Hold the Line. <laughs> and, and, Pages and of notes. There's so many things to talk about um, when it comes to dad rock. We will have that conversation again someday. I promise. Perhaps when our republic is a little bit better shape and we're gonna, not still like reeling from uh, the 
ridiculous, insane, terrible, dramatic, horrible events. I was going to pull uh, a TFT, Mark. I was going to pull a TFT and troll you with the question, Mark. Do dads rock? Uh, a, a, a qualified yes. Yeah, that's the appropriate answer. Uh, yeah. uh, for certain definitions of rock, they're always rocking. Um, okay, so we, the, our, we wanted to try to find a way to talk about the insanity that is ensuing um, in a way that is kind of in, in keeping with uh, our show and the value that we add. You know, we're, 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 you know, we're not necessarily a political show. We have, of course, you know, uh, inevitably discuss politics at, at, at a few different times in the course of this. So the what I propose, well, this kind of came out naturally, actually, as we were in our Slack channel, um, just collectively reacting to the events as they unfolded um, and just trying to process it all together. And if nothing else, just to kind of share our outrage and grief and um, disbelief at, at, at what was unfolding. And in the midst of sharing, you know, like, holy crap, they breached the Capitol and oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, um, we started to throw in the jokes, the memes, um, the, 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 the cultural fallout from the event that was coming across our Twitters and our Instagrams or wherever else we're um, getting our content. I'm sure all of you are on Parlor and are very disappointed that's going to get shut down uh, roughly about the time that we record this. Right, guys? Right? No, no, no. We are not on Parlor. Yeah, no. no I, 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 replied to a, I replied to a thing saying that uh, you had to put in your um, your phone number and your social security number and your mother's maiden name and things like that. I, I You know, I did all that, so I think I'm on Parlor. All right, great, Matt. Great. We're glad you're able to express your, your free speech over there. Um because you know, because you don't have this platform with which to share your ideas. Um okay, so so we started to share this, you know, in the in the at the day of and in the days ensuing, and that seemed like an, an interesting entryway um and, and into this topic and a way for us to address it in our own way. Um and I'll start by like, you know, before we get into we have a few specific examples we want to share and unpack with you all. Um just to kind of like just say the basic thing there, right? Like this is not a laughing matter. I mean, like this is easily the greatest crisis in the United States has faced in our lifetimes and perhaps, you know, uh, several lifetimes prior to that, maybe before the Civil War. Um not I'm not being hyperbolic at all about this. Um and yet, right? We're we're looking. We we gravitated to humor. We shared it with each other to do what? To just find some sort of relief, to break some sort of tension, to like to to get a little bit uh, 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 to help us process what is virtually unprocessable. Um, is that where we're trying to find the humor in? Like what what's going on there before we before we share some of our examples? Oh, like why are we laughing? Yeah, what is anyone laughing? Yeah, what is the function? Yeah, what what purpose does humor serve? And it's incredibly dark moment. <laughs> but doctor, but doctor, I am Senator Pagliacci. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think I don't know. I would say that there's multiple different. There's obviously a bunch of different. It's not obvious. There are a bunch of different theoretical systems that you can use to explain humor. And we've definitely talked about those quite a bit, if not on the podcast, then certainly on the back channel. I would posit two of them, one being the notion that humor is used to line up and reinforce the social reality that the jokester is kind of attempting to assert, right? And so you would make fun of someone because you want to lower their status relative to someone else or 
show that they have a high status or that there's a lot of kind of subordination and status play in humor and that you want to deal with the fact that you maybe don't feel like you have a, a sense of control over your life or over a situation. Uh, you know, things seem to be, you know, if they seem to be spiraling for you, you might make a joke in order to kind of put things back in the order that uh, you think they should be in. Right. And uh, and you might feel like the joke has power to do that sort of thing, like whether you think uh, jokes have the power to do that sort of thing or not is, I think, a question. Well, and we're, and then, we're not yeah. the only ones, Pete. Like the president himself is into stat play. Uh, if you've read the Steele dossier. Oh, sorry. Status play. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but like when other, the other proposition is that uh, humor is a way to uh, tell a truth that is otherwise not really tellable. Right. It's sort of the whole the sort of the fool. Right. Is the person who can tell the truth. And so if you're having difficulty having an honest conversation about something, you might make a joke. And so I don't necessarily think that the two explanations are either mutually inclusive or mutually exclusive. I don't think they operate on the same continua, but either of them could be used to articulate the current situation. Right. You might use humor to uh, say something that you can't otherwise say, or you might use your sense of what's funny, which is based off of experience and it has a lot of subconscious components to seek out a truth that you might not otherwise be able to discover. Uh, so I think a lot of people are smarter when they're making jokes than when they're sitting down to criticize something. I think we're probably several of those people in a lot of instances. <laughs> so uh, there is there is a, you know, wit is a way to access, you know, intelligence. Uh, and so if you're really trying to parse the situation, then humor could be a valuable tool because you might be better at figuring out the truth by figuring out what's funny than by uh looking at the sort of writing down the pros and cons or the facts or any of those things, or it might just be a, uh, a way to express your personal tension and discomfort, right? Another way of looking at humor is tension and release. And so you're feeling so much tension, you make a joke to cut the tension and release it, which is another, another way of doing it. And these things all might or might not overlap with each other and how this whole thing works. Uh, do you have any additional, uh, schema to add to the pile matt yeah i think i mean the the one that i'd add that that i think is operating here is that it it functions to kind of reinforce in grouping and outgrouping i guess that's what that's what you were saying when you're talking about social order right like slightly different though i think it's slightly different yeah. but to continue yeah the the right like the because one of the one of the observations that i had about this uh, you know beyond the horror you know, beyond beyond the aspects uh, aspects of it that are horrifying, that are that are really terrifying, um, beyond the aspects of it that sort of reveal vulnerability by sort of showing. Actually, I mean, I I feel like it's been of the the outgoing administration uh, really a feature of it that it has uh, really shaken to the core the the idea of how fragile uh, our institutions and norms um, are and how much. Uh, how, how they rely on our ability to kind of share a narrative and to kind of make common cause with one another. Um, that, that, that like, and that that can be disrupted, you know, disrupted so easily. As I was like feeling this and like really, you know, like sort of feeling the, like the shock of the, the vulnerability and the, you know, the, the oh it can't you know having all the the last passion of it can't happen here sort of scales falling from my eyes i, I also 
I also thought at the same time that one of the weird aspects of it is how unbelievably stupid it is, you know, um, that how, uh, how banal, right? How uh, the, the, <laughs> yes. And, and I, you know, I raised my pinky and lifted my champagne glass up. <laughs> and I said, how banal are your, <laughs> are your concerns, rioters, uh, terror, terror, domestic terrorists? How? No, but that like, um, you know, that, that the, the thing that takes down you know, our, the thing that sort of shatters an, an idea of safety or that shatters an idea that, that, you know, we have a society where the default position is to survive. This is actually, I mean, it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Sorry, big digression here. The, the venture capital firm Y Combinator, which invests in early stage startups and has like, they call it an incubator, you know, where you go and like work with them. And then I don't, I don't know, you, you uh, do a ropes course or something. I'm not, I'm not clear on the details. Um, but one lens that they have about viewing, uh, early stage companies is you're either default, uh, default alive or default dead. Right now, there are a lot of stuff that CFOs can do with like runway and like, you know, stuff and like figuring out like how long can this company do? But like it actually there, there's it can be sort of bracing to, you know, um, to reduce it to kind of a black and white thing. If things keep going the way they are right, you know, get, get vagaries of life aside you know the vicissitudes of of uh running any business you know um notwithstanding if if things keep going the way they are is this company a going concern or is it you know everyone updating their linkedin profiles so that's like you know default alive and default dead and and i i'm not sure i i would have said and i was one of those people four years ago um, saying often to Pete as it happens, like, no, come on. We're default alive. You know, <laughs> the, the, the norms and, and, um, and institutions of our government w- will like, uh, you know, the, the mean will reassert itself. I mean, whether it has or not and whether the mean that we whether the mean is a meaner mean than I meant, uh, it's, it's like, um, you know, that that's a separate conversation. But like that, that the thing that took us from default alive to default dead or default alive to default alive with a question mark <laughs> is um, not a, a set of sophisticated argumentation, not a, you know, uh, complex action by, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of like global scale, you know, state actors or something like that. No, it was a guy with a painted face and a fur hat. And that was, that was profoundly dumb, right? And the, the, <laughs> the idea that the idea, I, I think there's something, there is something that can only be addressed in humor in the idea that what, to, what, what caused this particular new low of of sort of disruption um is is profoundly dumb and that's uh i and i say that not to to 
I say that not to trivialize the loss of life, which is real and is horrible. I say that not to trivialize the threat to, you know, to our future and to the global geopolitical future. And I, you know, I say that not to, not to, to sort of minimize, minimize or, or trivialize any of the many horrible aspects of that. So please don't, don't at me. But like, I, I like, uh, th- there was, some cognitive dissonance, I think, in, in terms of like what it was that what, who the barbarians were at the gates. Um, and, uh, and, and I, and then I set down my champagne glass and I said, I shall not even eat the caviar tonight. <laughs> I, I would just add, I don't think the situation is that dire. I think it's scary. Right. And obviously it's a crisis and it's a major crisis, but you know, he'll be gone. You know, like like the inauguration is coming. He lost the election by a lot. I have yet to see anything that's going to convince me that this is really going to be, you know, an entirely arrested process. Uh, It sucks. But, you know, let's be careful about what sort of satisfaction we give people in much the same way that we should be careful about sharing images like pictures and videos that have been taken and distributed by terrorists as the truth of what happened during a terrorist attack. Right. Uh, So, like, let's just. Let's be careful. I, I think I think there's a difference also between expressing our fears and and kind of recognizing that, yes, like we keep in mind you're dealing with theatrical people for a variety of, of different dimensions. Right. And so. Uh, but I think that's the, I think that's important. I think like the element, you know, this I think they weren't they weren't wrong when they made just a ridiculously grandiose city in Washington, DC, right? Like (laughs) it's, it's completely out of scale with what the country was when they built that, when they built all that (laughs) stuff. Like it's, uh, you know, the colonnades, the, you know, I, the rotunde, (laughs) it's a, um, but that like, I think there, there is something to that theatricality. There's something to that grandiosity. And a lot of the like super bombastic, uh, think pieces that have, that have happened this week about like our secular liturgy of certifying the vote or things like that. Like the, the, you know, the, the stuff that, that is, the stuff that is important can be very, can be very silly, you know, can be very funny. Like, and that, like, I, so I think actually it is perfect. Like who, who knew, right. It was a bunch of clowns. Well, I, I guess if you know something about theater, right. Like, I guess if you yeah. know something about clowning, you realize that that's, that that's the worst, right? Like <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the real threat to the church is not the reformation. The real, the real threat to the, to the church is an audible fart. <laughs> oh man i don't know if that is consistent with the strength of catholicism in places where garlic is consumed in great quantity but <laughs> but mayhaps i suppose you could make some sort of sausage garlic causal divide right like the is the piece of westphalia have a gi tract like that kind of thing i don't know um but yeah i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying and but also you know it's it's I just do want to stress, just for the sake of commenting on reality before we get into memehood, people want peace, right? People, even the people who want Trump to win, overwhelmingly don't want war, right? So, like, let's just all mutually acknowledge that that's what we all want, that we want peace, 
and that, that a lot of this is nonsense and it's and, and part of why we make fun of it is because it's silly even to the extent that it does involve a lot of playing with fire and a lot of maybe people not thinking through the consequences of what they're doing and a lot of people thinking through the consequences of what they're doing who may be perhaps less savory than we would like to have thought uh if if we were at all sympathetic to them i guess so, anyway. yeah i mean well god i could go down another thing we but, should talk but about mark memes. it's your show yeah, it's, it's my thing about how the world's ending talk about memes i was like one thing on this and then let's talk about the memes which is yeah. that like um you know i think a lot about the historical perspective on this and uh long-time listeners of the show know that i wrote this piece about stone mountain and um how that is a useful lens to view trump and white supremacy in america and things like that right and um, and a common uh, the thread of thought that I, I've seen being woven uh, in these uh, ensuing days is that the United States like still has not come to terms since the Civil War with its identity either as a white ethno state or as a multiracial, multi multi ethnic um, uh, democracy that you know that actually values people <laughs> right, uh, right. Other, other than white people. And um, here we are in 2021, and uh, we see that conflict still. At play because in 1865 and the ensuing years after uh, with the reconstruction and the failure of reconstruction, we didn't resolve that question then. And we kind of didn't have full accountability for the people that did those terrible things uh, in the Confederacy. And so here we are. And, and that's that's got me pretty nervous that um, we're still fighting that war. OK, that said. Shall we talk about some funny stuff that we found on the internet, you guys? Oh my god, check out these dank memes for <laughs> check out these these dank memes for insurrectionist teens. <laughs> or fifty somethings. Take your pick. Yeah, Marka, you call you you're you're the boss, boss. You you're uh you know uh, Grand Marshal of this particular procession. Go for it. Uh, I prefer the title of Supreme Chancellor, <laughs> uh, soon to be Emperor. <laughs> okay, so my uh, selection for this comes from the Twitter account Death Star PR. Um, so, for some context for this, um, the conceit of this account is that they tweet as if they are the evil empire um, and, and they're commenting on current events. Um, now, this. Which often uh, uh, takes the form of um, parroting things that the Trump administration has said or is trying to say, you know, kind of paraphrasing things um, and then like undercutting itself either kind of within the text or using a, a, a an illustration from one of the Star Wars movies. Um, just another piece of context is that this account, I believe, you know, well predates um, the Trump administration, I think started out more kind of like lampooning corporate PR flax and how you know, people would just kind of like, you know, the company would do something terrible and then PR would come in and try to paper over it. Um, but in the, you know, since 2016, it has become um, an enterprise devoted to likening the Trump administration to the evil empire um, and uh, uh, kind of you know using humor to undercut the vicious, terrible lies <laughs> that have ensued from Washington for the for the past four years. Um, so with that context, uh, then we're going to read out. That text here and uh, share the image and then we can talk about it. Uh, and I quote, arresting Supreme Chancellor Palpatine with just 12 days left in his term will only divide our galaxy more. We must look forward, not backward. We can only begin the healing by pretending all of his massive crimes never happened. And there's a great picture of Samuel L. Jackson as Jedi Master Mace Windu holding his lightsaber um, at uh, Emperor Palpatine, 
um, well, regrettably, before Emperor Palpatine lightnings him uh, out out of the room and then, uh, you know, consolidates power over the galaxy. Um, but, you know, the obvious, uh, you know, thing that they are lampooning here is the calls from Republicans who are saying that, you know, we should just move on and, that you know, uh, impeaching the president is not worth our time. Um, and, you know, we do need to, quote unquote, heal and move forward, by which they mean, you know, pretend all this horrible stuff never happened. So um, for whatever reason, that really spoke to me. I will also add before I, I toss it over to you guys that um, this might not be like kind of the, the perfect form of the stuff that this account posts. I think like to me, um, what the sort of thing that I liked the most was like a, a cleaner juxtaposition kind of of text and then. Uh, image uh, from Star Wars undercutting what the text says. So uh, in the aftermath of the November election, the account simply tweeted, we won the Battle of Endor by a lot. Of course, you know, um, uh, paralleling the the false claim of President Trump saying that he won the election by a lot. And the illustration was a gif of the second Death Star blowing up as the Millennium Falcon (laughs) is racing away. (laughs) That I really liked and I think is like kind of like this account at its best. This is not quite that. Um, but, um, you know, I, uh, like many other people these days after watching the Mandalorian, um, is just trying to, you know, view the world through a star Wars lens. Um, and this, this brought me some level of, um, chuckle, succor and relief in these terrible times. So what do you guys think? Uh, was this a, a, a good meme, a funny meme, <laughs> uh, uh, or is it just something that I thought like was, was amusing and just like and throwing it's on like, a pile and it's like not that great in retrospect? It's like it's like. Uh, do you remember when uh, Worf catsit for Data? He said, uh, "Tell him he is a good meme. Tell him he is a funny meme." And Worf replied, "I will tweet him." Uh, and, that was, and, and that was all that happened. Uh, side note, I'm, I'm in the mood to derail everything tonight. No order, anarchy. Um, does, peaceful transition. <laughs> the election was clearly decided by a large margin, and a peaceful transition is still going to happen. It's going to be okay. A lot of yeah, exactly. Um, does uh, does the evil empire know it's an evil empire? See, this is, I think, the most fun question in Star Wars because <laughs> I'm a hundred percent. I'm like ninety five percent certain that the answer is no. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, the piece yes. tells why. Well, okay. So, like, so, so, as you often hear, uh, one of the most gl- wonderful juxtapositions, I think, in Star Wars, uh, and and of course, I've just finished a rewatch of the original trilogy uh, after watching the Mandalorian. Uh, my wife had gotten tired of not tired, but it had be, actually become interested because I had said so many times, "Ooh, that's from this and that's from this. Right. And uh, she wanted to go back and watch the original trilogy again to sort of put a lot of what we see in Mandalorian in context and rewatching the original trilogy only reinforced this notion. People talk about the emperor in in this sort of distant way, in, in hushed tones or with a sense of of kind of feigned self-importance. Where it's like, well, the emperor will do this. How will the emperor do that? Well, the emperor has a plan and he's going to do all this stuff. And it's like, wow, that seems like it might be difficult. But the emperor has this battle station, right? As I've said before, my favorite scenes in Star Wars are the meeting scenes that everybody has. Namely, the meeting in A New Hope where Darth Vader just really misbehaves in front of a bunch of high-ranking admirals and and moths and whatnot. And then also the Tea Party meeting that Christopher Lee has in Attack of the Clones with like 20 CGI uh, uh, seditional uh, bureaucrats. 
But I'm like, oh, well, you are from the trade of the Bankers Guild and you are from this. But um, people keep talking about the emperor and his political plans and his authority with this reverence. And then when the emperor shows up, he is very obviously an evil wizard. Right. <laughs> he's like, like, you don't even know if he's wearing clothes. He like shows up in, in this in this heavy cloak. His skin is just pallid. Right. He's made no attempt to try to look serviceable. Right. It's not like, oh, man, as the emperor, I might have to go on camera like the emperor goes on camera like from his toilet looking like a skull monster, right? Like he's, he has like zero, zero affectation or, or any sort of pretense totally. as to being anything other than an evil wizard. Right. Um, and then the more you learn about what the emperor is actually willing to do and what he really wants. Oh, he's just entirely an evil wizard, <laughs> right? Like, like what, like think about that line and I'm sorry, I will give him the floor in just a moment, but think about the line, right? So they're sitting in the second death star because the first death star was destroyed with all hands but but one the one remaining hand of anakin skywalker on board right and uh and think of all of the like years of fighting the rebellion the droid the probe droids sent all over the galaxy the battles of hoth right everything that's happened subsequently uh to this you're sitting on the second death star you have permitted the rebel fleet to fly within like a pretty short distance of your most vulnerable position. You have a, a, a uh, an uncontrolled guerrilla force attacking your most vulnerable spot, right? And people are getting killed left and right all over the place. And the emperor looks at Luke Skywalker and says, everything has transpired according to my design, <laughs> right? I even say it right. Everything has transpired according to my design, right? <laughs> and it's like everything like, whoa, like everyone's sitting in that meeting being like, man, the emperor is doing this thing. It seems really stupid. And then being like, the emperor has a plan. It's the Death Star. It's great. And it's like, oh, so it was the empire. The emperor's plan was to make the Death Star put all you fools on it. Have it be blown up by his surrogate grandson. Have you all die at huge expense. Right. And then build an entirely other one, but not even finish it. Right. I feel like I'm blowing out my podcast microphone because like. The joy of it is like you could sit and criticize Star Wars and say like, well, this thing that this person did made no sense. And this thing that this person did made no sense. And I think the emperor is such a critically important figure because he's the character more than any other who is just entirely comfortable making no sense. <laughs> right. Like the world matches what he wants. Right. And so maybe when you're looking at something like Return of the Jedi and maybe you're looking at something like The Last Jedi – there, even with the various Kylo Ren and Hux and Snoke and all that stuff, there is really I don't think there's anybody involved in the events of The Last Jedi who gives less of a damn about everybody else than the Emperor does in the original Star Wars trilogy. Hmm. Right. Like, like he is willing to kill millions of his own people in order to just lure this one child uh, this young man, this adolescent who might just be a better second in command than the one he currently has, who is already pretty good. Right. <laughs> so like that's so that's that's what I'm saying is that like the Empire, you can debate whether the Empire or the New Republic is kind of more or less evil. And they interrogate this on the Mandalorian. But the but the whole discussion is only really relevant because the Empire isn't being run by an evil wizard anymore. Like to the extent that it isn't right. And that's, of course, the whole thing with Grand Admiral Thrawn is that he's not an evil wizard. And it, it causes you to ask additional questions as to whether or why or how what he's doing is evil. 
Um, anyway, sorry, Mark, I I, uh, I talked over you when you were trying to get in where you fit in. Um, no, 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 that, that was great. Like, uh, uh, Matt, do you want to answer your own question? Uh, is does the Evil Empire realize is evil? Well, no, that, that was I, uh, additional thoughts. That that's really better than I could have done. So let's <laughs> let's leave that with. <laughs> also, everybody in the Empire was really stupid hats and doesn't really seem to be aware of it. Though they do in the Rebellion as well. So it's uh, it's sort of all around. It's kind of a thing in the government in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah, the, stu- the stupid hat aesthetic. Yeah. That's the. I mean, that's the thing. Like, our, you know, the fun. The fun joke that we've had for years on overthinking about about Star Wars is that like they think they are a military, they think they are like a military organization that employs space wizards, and right. you know it turns out, uh, you know, no, you're you're just you're just pawns of the space yeah, wizards. You're, you're a space wizard organization that employs a military. Right. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> and like the military and the the. You know, in terms of the like the grand sweep of the story, the military is so inconsequential that in episode nine, you know, uh, spoiler alert, like Palpatine like snaps his fingers and there's like another military on the like yeah. on the stormy planet. It's like, oh, all the guess it didn't really matter. All this, you know, material that that we like. Matt, I was I was waiting for month 11 to, of quarantine to finally get around to watching the last the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Like oh, all this it. time has passed and I had wanted to watch Rise of Skywalker and I just hadn't got sorry, I'm speaking hypothetically <laughs> about some person who's like they everyone's got their movie list of the things that they were gonna watch during COVID. And uh and if Sky- Rise of Skywalker was that low on your list that you just missed it, I really do apologize for the spoiler folks. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I was going to make a point about like, you know, constitutional monarchy and stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh it's ridiculous. But that I mean, it is actually what what Pete said, it, you know, could be said about the kind of the venality of of the central figure in the current administration uh as well, right? Like you think, you know, I don't know. The the I, the thing that I loved, I mean, it's I shouldn't say loved. Uh the thing that that struck me as especially rich um was when the president was inciting the mob to uh to commit treason um sedition man oh sedition well i mean treason also because there were almost certainly foreign operatives inside of the mob who planted <laughs> listening devices and other sorts of things inside the halls of government but anyway continue wait can i not can i not commit treason against my own government or do treason, I- treason implies that it's a foreign government i think i don't think you can commit treason I think you have to aid and abet an enemy. I mean, I guess maybe. I, I thought that, let me see, what is, I mean, In people have talked about it. this a lot. Well, yeah, there were actually a lot of memes going around. Yeah. There were a lot of, like, stuff with this. But yes, okay. So the, the you know, when when uh, when the president was inciting the attempted coup, right, he said, you're going to march over to the, you're going to march over to the Capitol. I'll be right there with you. And that, you know, like, I'll be there with you. Like, literal, literal words that came out of his mouth. And I do, I do think that is like, uh, uh, sorry, I didn't, uh, I didn't say it right. You are going to march over to the Capitol. I will be right there with you. I will be beside you and we will declare our victory <laughs> over the galaxy. Everything. <laughs> Everything has happened according to my design. Everything? 
like everything has happened. Like that whole thing with the McDonald's, that was like part of the plan from point A. Like that's kind of strange. Uh, I guess that that is if you're if you're sort of asking what's funny about this, one of the things that's funny about Trump is that it is rarely at all clear whether he intends to do any of the things that he's doing. Right. Like and so, of course, then you can step back. and Well, of course he is. But then sometimes you could step back and you'd be like, he's totally oblivious to everything that's no, happening. Yeah, around absolutely. Him. Right. Like he's it's like- really hard to tell. Uh, at times, and it goes back and forth, right? I mean, the um, scene—the scene in in *Empire Strikes Back*, where the the uh, emperor is, as you say, he's going on television from his bathroom, and he he uh, tweets "kofefe" by accident, right? Like, that's like, <laughs> they had to actually change it in post and put his face over, right? When they made the special edition, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. They, yeah. I mean, and they had to to spell "kofefe" in that script, in that you know, whatever that. Uh, Whatever the language, the the alphabet that they use on on it's I, called Arabesh, Matt. Um, is it? Oh, there sorry, you go. Continue. Sorry, yes. I've, I've, I know I've, the name. Of it, I've yeah. watched I've watched uh, a little Screen Rant, but not enough to you know uh, figure it figure it all out. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a he's a a, a, a chainsaw swinging from a tr- tree, right? And like it, you know, or the, a genius masquerading <laughs> as a chainsaw swinging from a tree, he's playing, playing four dimensional chainsaw. Chess. <laughs> Pete, do you have a meme, Pete? Oh, do I have a meme? Is it my a, turn? No, I'll do my. I'll do no, my. I want to share one quick thought on oh, this, please, and then yeah. I'll pass yeah. it over to you. Which is like, I feel like for you know, like two generations, two three generations of Americans have have come of age, like waiting for this moment in American politics where one side has become so ridiculously evil that they are like, you know, that all these like metaphors of the evil empire in Star Wars can actually be applicable, and that moment has arrived. And we kind of don't really don't know what to do with ourselves. It's just like <laughs> we've told the story so many times. But, if if that's what you think is happening, then how come you're not ready? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you. I mean, you watched the Hunger Games, right? They 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 figured everything out. Like that's uh, it's a great model for how to do things. Uh, I don't even know, but yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I'll 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 do my meme because it takes things. Uh, in a similar sort of direction, what we're talking about, because what we're really talking about, right, is the is the profound and the absurd. Isn't there a yeah. term for that, Matt? Uh, bathos. Yes, bathos. Yeah, explain to me what bathos is again. Bathos is a drop from the profound to the to the absurd, right? So it it. How oh, I'm trying to think of a. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Um, an example. There's a very good Zugma in, I think, in Alexander Pope, uh, talking about an upset woman, uh, the, the coming to, coming to some sort of gathering. And the line is, she arrived in a flood of tears and a sedan chair. Right, right, and that's right. and that's like the idea, you know. Uh, obviously, the big effect there is the zugma is the you know the and yoking two things together that are kind of funny and surprising. But also, you know, one is in the one is in the register of sort of like operatic emotion, and the other is in the in the register of like a taxi service, you yeah. know. And that like uh, that sort of abrupt change of register. Um, from the from the high to the low is called the bathos yeah. or bathetic, and you you yeah. always have to emphasize the b because you you don't mean pathetic, uh, right, right, you know. right. So, like a good example of a modern pathetic drop would be at the end of July second of Independence Day when the alien spaceships are destroying 
all of these major cities and all these hundreds and thousands and millions of people. And you're kind of watching, you know, Harvey Firestein stare on in horror and the cab driver. Right. And Vivica A. Fox is running for her life and everybody in Los Angeles is being burned alive. And then there's the shot of the slow motion golden retriever, right? Like jumping into the uh, into when you get Boomer, the golden retriever leaping out of the way of the giant fireball. That might qualify as something of a pathetic drop, I would suggest, in the circumstance. Uh, sure. Perhaps not even an intentional one. Um, so not so, not not a dog lover is what I'm getting, Pete. Because well, uh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at how it's shot, though. Think because the, the good. Thing. Because the. Good furry boy is doing good for America. Yeah, sorry. You're you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, I think it is also because when you look at the proximity of the wall of fire special effect to the explosions and destruction it causes, <laughs> it is allowed to get much closer to the dog than it is to, say, the Chrysler building or whatever <laughs> before it does any damage. But at any rate, um, are you guys familiar with uh, Beagle Pusses? No. I mean, uh, do, do I like this? do I like the faces of of adorable beagles? <laughs> yes, I guess this is relevant to dog. Hey, have you ever had a beagle puss? How how? No, I have a basset hound, not a beagle. And his, <laughs> his, his, oh, his... I had a I had a my dad had a beagle puss when we when I was a kid, and uh, I don't know whether the term has any other sort of connotation, and I apologize if it has an unsavory one. But a beagle puss is a novelty costume pair of glasses with a giant fake nose and a mustache uh, oh. that is that is intended to be a comical impersonation of Groucho Marx. Right. And has and it was first marketed in the 1940s. And uh, and because, you know, Groucho Marx is a big show business personality in the first half of the 20th century. And uh, and and is just a, a really funny guy. And you could also say that there is a certain amount of um, Yiddish humor in his style and also mask humor. And you could con- connect Comedia and, and all these other sorts of styles of humor with the Marx Brothers and how they do things. And so it is very much in keeping, I think, with the style of comedy of the Marx Brothers that people could laugh at each other by, like, impersonating Groucho Marx by putting on uh, a, you know, a pair of, of fake glasses and a big nose and a big mustache, and especially children. Right. So it would be very my dad would take this. And I think the actual thing is called a can be called a beagle puss or Groucho glasses. And he would put it on me when I was like seven years old. And it's hilarious. I mean, I didn't know because I couldn't see. But uh, but it was pretty funny. Right. And so that is that is the sort of nature of the pathetic drop, because my meme, my, my favorite meme, as it were, is the. Uh, the Ur and and the imitators of the John Barron Twitter account, right? Which is the notion, which is the the narrative that many, many people seem to have grasped on all at the same time. I mean, this is a tweet that has 1.9 million likes, uh, but also and has been shared in screenshots countless times. But that um, upon the permanent suspension of the president's Twitter account because the president refused or his staff, because I don't know, I mean, it's actually him, right? It's him on his phone, refused to take down tweets that violated the Twitter terms of service. Uh, and thus he was suspended, which is what anybody using Twitter would at least hypothetically have to do. Um, it, and, and this is an idea that like, oh, my God, you know, the president's finally being banned from Twitter. The notion that that he was going to come back with a fake mustache, an additional Twitter account. Right. So like so like there's more than one Twitter account where the picture is Donald Trump with a fake mustache or a fake mustache and glasses, uh, right? In the style of the Beagle Puss going back almost 100 years. Um, 
and him saying that the classic John Barron, where he's not wearing glasses and just has the mustache, Barron John 1946 is, hello, I am brand new to Twitter. What are you guys up to? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I think that I delight in it for a bunch of reasons, but I did want to provide that backdrop of what is a fake mustache, right? Mm. <laughs> like, cause, cause it's so easy to, cause I feel like we've really lived through a kind of classic and post-classic period for the fake mustache. There was definitely a, a, if we're in the sort of genre cycle, we're in the late part of a parody phase of the fake mustache, where I think handlebar mustaches had kind of made a return in, you know, artisanal and, and hipstery and crafty and kind of also kind of lumberjacky and beard, like beards had come back and with beards had come mustaches and with mustaches had come products for grooming mustaches. And so you would be more likely to run into somebody with even a real life handlebar mustache, but also lots and lots of people would have fake handlebar mustaches as also sort of a party thing, right? Little stickers or things on sticks that people would use. But, but I do want to point out that there is a long and proud tradition in the United States of America of putting on a fake mustache for a comic <laughs> effect, right? And by what you're doing when you put on a fake mustache is you're really transparently pretending to be somebody else that you very, very obviously are not. Like everybody can tell it's you. Uh, the, the difference, there's a whole taxonomy of fake facial hair in American culture. I would suggest that the fake mustache is somebody who is, you, they think, that they are being disguised, but they're really not, or they're even joking about the idea that they might be disguised. Everyone in the conversation knows they're not disguised. The fake goatee means they're the they're evil, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so, like, if if it's if it's a, a Twitter personality with a fake goatee, you could think of them as either being evil or from a mirror universe, like from Star Trek, where everything is upside down and backwards. And a fake beard would be more sincere in its attempts to obscure the identity of the person than a fake mustache. I think that the notion I think a person wearing a fake beard is lower status in terms of them hoping that they aren't recognized than a person wearing a fake mustache who is either utterly confident that they won't be recognized to the point of parody or is in on the joke. Right. And so that's what's kind of funny about the idea that uh, there's two things. There are two big things, I think, that are funny about well three there are three big things that i think are funny about the idea that that after being suspended for refusing to delete tweets that violate the twitter terms of service around inciting violence which is a standard you have to click agree that you're going to do it right it's not like they just said oh we don't like what you're saying he very specifically didn't do the one thing they asked him to do they've cut him a, an enormous amount of slack right but he wouldn't do that one thing they asked him to do which was delete the tweets that he did um and and so uh and, and so the first funny thing is the idea that, like, the Twitter ban is, like, so inconsequential, right? Like, the idea that the if you know people who get banned from message boards, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all sorts of stuff. I mean, mostly by moderators on Reddit or things like that, right? And the idea that a ban from one of these platforms is a serious punishment that can't be circumvented is itself kind of comical. Uh, and uh, and also the uh, so the idea that that Donald Trump would be unable to circumvent this ban if he wanted to seems silly. But at the same time, the idea that he could do it incognito is ironic and funny because it's like, well, the only reason he does this is so that everybody knows it's him. Right. So it's not like he's doing this because he really wants to, like, check out what Scott Bayo has been doing lately. Right. It's, it's like uh, 
he's out there because he wants everyone to look at him. So the notion that he would go under a false name, everyone would instantly know it's him. And that's kind of the joke and the irony of uh, of him being obscured versus being revealed. And then, of course, there's the comedy of it being a fake mustache, which is, a again, proud, proud piece of uh, of American comedy. And then the third piece is just this notion that of all the stuff that's been happening. Right. And, and and as you mentioned, the gravity of a lot of what's happening, I might not necessarily agree that we're at a point where we really need to start panicking about the future. I mean, give it 10 days. You know, everybody wants this to work out. Right. And I'm really hoping that, you know, everything works out. But I think people want this to be peaceful and it'll be peaceful as long as we all keep the faith a little bit. Um, and as long as we, you know, make sure that necessary things are done. Now, as Pete, they are now necessary. Pete, don't keep the faith. Spread it. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean, right? Like, so like, so, so here's the thing, right? Like, like, let's talk about this guy for just a second. I, I've bitten my tongue a lot about this guy on this podcast because I do know that we have listeners who are Republicans and I do recognize that there are defensible reasons why somebody would want to vote for the right side of the political aisle. They may not particularly like a particular tax policy, right? They might have experiences with governments and they don't want people to deal with them. It might just be how they were raised and they have a certain affinity for their, their team versus the other team, you know, whatever. I understand that. But like, Going back to the beginning, there's been a lot of problems with this this game show guy that they that they made president. Um, I mean, and, and from day one, he was just like, like rampantly violating all manners of things in the Constitution. Right. Like 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 just the basic thing of like, hey, you should probably you should put you're required by the Constitution to like not take business payments in exchange for favors from foreign governments. Right. Which you are like clearly doing and your kids are clearly doing in the open, in public, right? So, like, this is deliberately in the Constitution. You're not allowed to do it. And and because the word is French, nobody knew what it was or took it seriously. Uh, everybody's like, ah, it doesn't matter, right? You should really put your assets in a blind trust while you're president. Dick Cheney did it when he was vice president. You know, like, if it's not as much of an inconvenience for Dick Cheney, it's probably not enough of an inconvenience for you. Uh, the last guy who we, was appropriate to use Star Wars metaphors to describe in government. <laughs> Yeah. And so like so like since day one, he has had no care for the rules. Right. And the rules exist for for good reasons a lot of time. Right. Like but also he's been nasty. He's a really mean guy. And he's been and he's just really alienated people like nonstop. So like the the, the hardest thing to believe for me is that people who think he didn't win. Right. Would suggest that he did. He's really popular. Right. Like, and I think I talked to you guys about this, right. It's like, oh, you know, uh, when you win an election, election is technically a popularity contest. Right. And like, if there's one thing that you could say about Donald Trump, it's that there are a lot of people who really don't like him very much. And, and, uh, and they have a lot of intensity in how much they dislike him. And there's a large number of them. This one would think would be some sort of structural disadvantage in say running for reelection, right. And continuing to enlarge the intensity and the number of the people that don't like you, uh, that is likely to shake out in such things as like counties that voted for you last time, not voting for you again. Right. This is not, but, but the point is that, he has he has then ramped up gradually, right? Various things that he's done, uh, you know, that's that like the week he assassinated a vice president of Iran, and, and there was a reason, sort of, but it was Donald Trump, and like he flies off the handle over anything, and like it really seemed very crazy and drastic, right? I mean, he'd already been launching cruise missiles, and I mean, can you even name all the countries that that Trump either bombed or decided not oh to bomb during God. his presidency? Like, I don't know. Right. I don't even know what he was doing a lot of the time. But um, 
But the the point is that the idea that all this would culminate in like and not even a ban, but like an indefinite Twitter suspension, right, is is funny, I think. And that the idea that this is this is the line. Right. And not only that, but that this Twitter suspension would for him be some sort of huge problem and be something that's very upsetting to people. Right. <laughs> like, oh, no. You know what? You, you got his Twitter accounts indefinitely suspended. Right. Uh, you know, gosh. Mm. Um, you know, oh, but also like, oh, man, you know, he's being. You know, this this guy who is who is uh, who has a press room in his house is being silenced. Right. This guy who anybody in the world would talk to him for any reason, whenever he wants. Um, and because he he wouldn't follow the rules on a stupid website um, and because he was inciting a bunch of random people to violence. And we don't even know the extent to which he understands what he's doing or why or how much he just thinks of it as being about himself. Right. We don't know. Um, and so that's part of what makes this funny. And it's part of the pathetic drop, right? Which is that maybe it all ultimately is about his Twitter account. Maybe that's just his world. And I think that there's a larger commentary there about the size of the world versus the perspective of each individual one of us. It's hard for any of us to comprehend what's happening in the whole world. And you would like to think that the pre- that's the president's job. But it's pretty apparent that that's like not even a passing interest for this guy. Right. Like not even. Right. Like like this is a guy. Do you remember? So so two things that the president of the United States has done during his term uh, spent like maybe maybe a couple of hours assassinating the vice president of Iran and spending like the better part of an entire day getting really angry at Bette Midler. Right. (laughs) Do you remember when he did that? Um, I'm sorry to rant about it, but it's like this guy is fundamentally absurd. And uh, and so. I like the John Barron memes and I like the idea of the Beagle Puss because, you know, it just it reflects the notion that the stakes are just so, so off right now. Right. There are so many things that he should be, you know, I mean, he has so many unpaid debts and so many. I mean, he should he should have been getting problems for rampantly violating civil rights laws regarding like renting apartments in his seventies. Right. Like this is, this is a guy who is like, you know, never really follow the rules would be the first one to tell you that he never follows the rules. And, and here he is getting dinged like a 14 year old for, for really, really obviously not following the rules. Sure. Even that, like, when he's like, given every opportunity to do so. Like that time I, when I was 14 and got kicked out of AOL chat rooms because I was 14 and was saying dirty words in them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What, what are some times that I was was I was I banned for something? I'm trying to think of times that I was banned from things online for doing stuff uh, like chat restrictions and League of Legends for getting mad at my AD carry for yelling at me because I missed my Blitzcrank hook. Like <laughs> like that's the, I don't you guys don't understand. There's somebody out there who just laughed um, somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. Um, but, yeah, I just I do think that. It is worth reflecting. And and again, this is not to cheapen the stakes. And I know I've gone on for way too long and maybe I shouldn't have uncorked this maelstrom uh, on this podcast, as it were. But uh, no, you're saying you're you're you're, it's a worthy thing to take time on because you're agreeing with me, which is that there's (laughs) there is there is a level there is an angle at which to view a lot of this, the, the banality and the veniality of it in which it's profoundly stupid. Right. And that's like, that's what you're talking about with, with stakes right now. I, I I am a little more on the, I'm terrified side of things than I guess, than I guess you are because like, I actually think that that's, 
that's a problem, right? When, when that, when that level of, when that level of stupidity, right? Like can, can, you know, alter the course of world history, you know, that's, and, and there are, God, there are a lot of, there are a lot of like, uh, a lot of serious problems that you would hope that the president would engage in the the sort of imminent threat of of various kinds of ecological collapse a rise in uh kind of great powers illiberalism um you know the number of the number of countries in the world where ten years ago you could have credit, creditably said this is a thriving democracy that now have have you know devolved into unaccountable single party rule um well, yeah. right, it's not like, all Trump. I mean, Modi is a bigger platform than Trump does, right? So, sure, but anyway, yeah, yeah right. it's, it's a, a big bigger, thing right now. A bigger, right? He's, he's really, yeah, he's really late to the trend. I, I mean, he's he really just, is. He's just Everyone doing. Thinks he started it. He's a he, follower. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's just doing what all his friends at Davos were. <laughs> No, Donald Trump has never been to Davos. No, I, I'm <laughs> no. Of course wrong. he has. He went to the ski party with the cocaine. Uh, he didn't do it. Relax. He only slept with a prostitute. Um, so sorry. It's. Uh, I will say. I don't want to trivialize it. I think I do want to say. And I'm. I'm sorry, Mark. Mark, you might agree with what I'm about to say, or you might not. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the past year as a new dad, and part of what I do, a big part of my job as a new dad, is to calm down my son, right? Because he looks around at the world and it it's, it's just, I don't mean to be to curse, but it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Like, like nothing makes sense. Everything's huge, right? He can't even see shapes at first or colors and everything's blurry and everything's nutso. Uh, nope. He doesn't speak any language that anybody understands. Right. And, and were he to have his druthers, he would stay up all night screaming. Um, and you end up having a job as a parent reassuring this kid, right? Calming him down. And there's a self-interest to it because you want to go to sleep too. But also you come to recognize that like, it's a good thing for the kid to go to sleep. Now, this does seem extremely patriarchal and patronizing and to an extent it is. Um, But I do think that there is a certain more universalizable wisdom there, which is like, when the baby is actually sleeping, it's really wonderful. Like when the baby actually does sleep because that's what the baby needs. It's not because sleeping is good. But it's because that the baby is getting what they need right now. And and because uh, indiscriminate alarm prevents the baby from getting what they need and from doing what they need to do, because ultimately I don't put the baby to sleep. Ultimately, the baby is the one that puts themselves to sleep. And so if you were to and again, I, I, I hate to think that people might think I'm diminishing people by referring to them as the baby. I assure you, the baby is the largest, most powerful force in my life right now. Right. So like the baby is a big deal. But I would suggest, uh, in particular, when it comes to coups, that if we allow ourselves to be if the, if he's trying to scare all of us by doing these big theatrical shows, if we allow ourselves to continue to repeat and recapitulate an indiscriminate sense of alarm, not necessarily any sense of alarm, but an indiscriminate and fatalistic sense of alarm, then like that is a dangerous thing to uh, to amplify. Right. And the thing that we need is this peaceful transition. And we all need it. And and thus, I'm going to speak up a little bit when I get the sense that our the, that that the emotional affect that this whole thing seems to have been intended to produce might be come reflected in us, which because I think we owe to each other and to our community of fellow feeling, whether they are Republicans or Democrats to to like reflect back to them the notion that, like, you know, whatever you do believe we are with you in the sense that we don't want this whole thing to to go to something like a war. We want it to be peaceful. Right. 
We want it to be peaceful. We want the baby to go to sleep, the baby being like this giant beast slouching towards Bethlehem, right? And like, I, that's not to say I don't want to see people in jail. Uh, and again, you might disagree as to who should go to prison or why. You might disagree as to like, and I'm certainly I am I am incredibly. I mean, fi- finally, some accountability for those emails. <laughs> but I am like yeah. I am like livid about both the betrayal of of alliances that has taken place under this administration, which which manifests as like giving over whole chunks of countries that have trusted us to military aggression, right? Which he has just done. And also his just shameless, shameless coitus with straight up American history X style neo-Nazi white supremacy, right? And, and like, not to, not to say that that's the only kind of white supremacy that exists, but it's a kind that he has been extremely buddy-buddy with this entire time. And that is just beyond reproach. Oh, not beyond reproach, beyond my ability to sufficiently reproach, right? Like that is that is just the the height of heinousness. And and uh, and when Mark is saying something like, oh, the government is evil, right? Like that's the kind of thing I look at and I'm like, well, that's evil. And it's evil in the Dungeons and Dragons sense of being like profoundly self-interested, right? Like profoundly disregarding the safety and lives of others. So like don't don't make me I don't think that the things that Donald Trump are doing aren't serious or 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 terrible, right? But but I do want to say that I do have faith, especially if people do what they're supposed to do and do their jobs, that this will be OK. We will move on to the next season of this crazy melodrama. So sorry, Mark, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm talking too much already. But, Before we move on for this, I just yeah. want to like, you know, the the, the context for uh, this meme and it all is a, a piece with the, your uh, explanation. And it's why it is funny is that the name John Barron, right? comes from a pseudonym that Trump himself used uh, in the 80s. He would like just like make up a spokesperson for himself. And called John Parent John Barron, and it was very transparently him. And I think everybody <laughs> knew it, and that's why all of these Twitter accounts with his picture with a mustache on it are called John Barron. Right, which is which funny because he named very his funny. son after his own fake self. Uh huh. Yeah, I know. It just keeps going. Bet Midler, people. Bet Midler and cruise missiles in one beautiful Sunday. Right. Pathetic uh. drop. Uh, <laughs> I well, I mean, you know, there are there are all kinds. Um, as you say, not just the the American History X style kind of skinhead esque white supremacy. There are some, there are some other kinds of of white supremacy, including the ones with a nice fruity palate. My meme, <laughs> <laughs> the one that I saw a couple days later. I mean, I feel like the takes were the takes really benefited what it what it showed me was the benefits of rewriting like writing is rewriting that you know all the all the classes all the teachers say that and uh and i suppose tweeting is retweeting as well but the the um you know in the couple in the couple days like the jokes got better as people kind of honed them uh you know and had a chance to kind of kind of work them so that you know just as jokes technically as jokes the jokes of like you know uh friday were better than the jokes of thursday and one that i saw around that of uh, around that vintage if you will <laughs> is the uh is someone uh with an instagram story that was uh just text and the text said it's only a coup d'etat if it comes from the coup d'etat region of france otherwise it's just sparkling white supremacy and 
I, uh, I, uh, I thought um, uh, th- there's a lot to me. There's a lot going on there. It was definitely targeted at my demographic, which is like you know, if you're worried about the the appellation of uh, you know, it's only Kentucky straight bourbon if it's made in these four counties of you know, if you're if you're worried about that. That kind of My, thing. nice use of the word appellation, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that that was a pretty amazing twist there that you took us on there. You're talking about A P P E L L A T I O N, right? Not like appellation, like uh, where the hillbillies in the United States live. Right? Thought, or where, Kentucky is, or, or anyway, sorry. Well, yeah, I mean the I, Appalachia, I guess, stretches like through a number of uh, through a number of states. But the no, I was not uh, talking about that. Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia, no. Um, but I would have pronounced that Appalachian. Is that not is that not correct? Is is you guys are the East Coasters? I don't know. Well, you the pronunciations are, uh, shall I say, kissing cousins of each other. So continue. <laughs> I've Got walked it. the Appalachian Trail in New Jersey. <laughs> like this is, it is not it is not just this remote place. It is a large region of the country. Well, what what was it called? Well, we're from New Jersey. Okay, so no, here's no, I'm, how say, I I'm saying it. you you walk the Appalachian Trail. I know it had an Appalachian. Yeah. What was it called? <laughs> Uh. Third base. Uh, well, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. But that uh, I did like some of these ball players. They got the strangest names. Um, the the I I also like the in in a contest about legitimacy. I think it's funny. Um, or not a contest because it it is the legitimacy is uncontested at least in any serious way. But like in a uh, controversy, in a kafefe about le- legitimacy, the um, the the idea that like this is this is decided by like well you know it's not actually from the the correct region is uh, and the the kind of the legitimacy of of naming you know commercial products of exportable commercial products is uh is sort of interesting to me and then also like it is you know it is helpful it is helpful to kind of realize the sort of the the ideologies because it is you know it it is i mean Pete, where I, where i think you're right about like Hey, people, uh, you know, get, right, like, uh, quit, quit looking at the tornado and look at the, look at the, the kind of the climate, right? Like, that's, that's the, that's the important thing because you can chase tornadoes, um, uh, you can chase tornadoes forever. And what does it get you? What does it get you, Bill Pullman? But the, the, uh, it's, it's Bill Pullman, isn't it? And twist, uh, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Paxton, <laughs> Pullman, Appalachian. I, I would have know. also accepted Her- Helen Hunt or Carrie Elways. <laughs> uh, or a cow. Not not for nothing, but I, do you feel like Carrie Elways had the career he deserved? I feel like... Uh, I, I love Carrie Elways' career. I guess I'm the only one. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. I, f- I feel like he's a really good actor. But um, Yeah, he's in like one of the universally most beloved movies of all time as a star of it. But sure. I guess... He isn't particularly. Uh, I I love him in the chase, though. He didn't go the, on Char- to the, the Charlie Sheen movie to the kind of prestige but, that uh, yeah you know that others like Mandy Patinkin, Billy Crystal, and Andre Andre the Giant went <laughs> went on to enjoy. Wallace yeah. Shawn, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Robin Wright. <laughs> <laughs> so the the. Um, yeah. And then, and then the, so the, like, there is kind of an eye on the ball thing a little bit with like, ah, yes, right. There is the, the sort of the ideology of, of white supremacy, which I, is, I suppose the real quote unquote real, uh, 
the real problem. And actually, like, actually, in the, it is also, you know, not self-defeating. It is also sort of knowing there's also like a, a self-critical aspect to it because of the kind of gatekeeping and in-grouping, out-grouping that, that goes on with, with things around like wine snobbery, right? It is, you know, uh, it is a, a sort of in-group, out-group discourse. And, you know, it is, it is useful to, to sort of police that in, in one's own heart, I guess. Um, right. As you try to, uh, as, as you try to remember that we all want peace and, uh, as you pray fervently that everyone, uh, observes the same definition of we that you do. <laughs> so, so, okay. Um, I have two, two doors I could open here. Behind one door is a further discussion of notions of white supremacy as they regard the crisis at hand. And through the other is a discussion of various sorts of French foods and drinks. Oh, I think you know where I want (laughs) to. I have no idea which one you want to talk about. Uh, B. (laughs) Yes, if we were on the same page for the definition of we, and to which I would say, mais oui, monsieur. Uh, okay, I would I would start by saying like, well, you know, there's also the kind of issue of broad failure of trust in institutions, and why is it getting stripped down to these kinds of trouble? Well, 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 wait a minute. Okay, so here's the the funny thing. One of the funny things about that champagne thing, right? Because we all know it's kind of nonsense, right? Which is the idea that only French champagne is champagne because we've all had sparkling wine that's been good. And I would even venture to say most of the time when we drink sparkling wine, it's for a celebration of some kind. And and it is the occasion is so potent of an ingredient in the experience that the actual quality of the wine per se, Prosecco per se, is uh, is is not as important. Right. It is. Uh, oh, no, I spit that. I spit that poop out at people's <laughs> weddings. I spit it on the floor. <laughs> but but like, here's the thing. If you were talking about chicken. Right. Like so. So we actually had uh, this is to betray to further betray my my flagrant bias as a coastal elite. Right. Uh, we made Kokova this weekend. Right. Uh, ch- uh, which is a classic rustic French chicken and wine dish. It's sort of like it's a bit like how you might make uh, like chicken and dumplings or or like, uh, you know, just put it in a pot. And, and you uh, but it's with wine because it's French and, and it was so good. And so there are definitely things that like legit the French know how to do really, really well. And I do f- kind of feel like and I mean, bread, right? <laughs> They're like it's like bread and chicken. Right. And it's like the wine stuff at this point is like not even the notable one anymore. I don't even and I don't even really know with confidence if it ever really was. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that we have to there's the aphid blight. Right. So I don't I guess I would posit that, too, is uh, I mean, you guys are familiar with the aphid situation, right? Um, that whole mess, the, the French wine blight. Uh, yes, it's been yeah. it's been a bad couple of years. No, I mean, this thing happened like 150 years ago. Oh, oh, that aphid blight. <laughs> Sorry, I was so thinking many, I was So many blights. So oh, I've been going down rabbit. I've, I've been dealing with a tree in my house that is dying, I think, and is threatening to like droop and fall over on some power lines. And so I've been looking up agricultural, uh, agricultural um, diseases. And in the mid-19th century, like all the wine in France basically died, right? 
because of a bug. And that's a huge exaggeration. But it's like, I do wonder whether what we experience now as French wine culture, and I guess this is a bad time to just sort of start podcasting about it, having not even researched it a little bit, uh, whether the things that we say about French wine culture would have been more appropriate about French wine culture prior to the wine blight when they had so much wider variety of original cultivars, right, um, uh, of grapes as opposed to what they have now, which has definitely been reconstructed to a great degree through grafting and various sorts of techniques. But I don't know what was lost. Uh, but I would also suggest that, like, of all of the things that are distinct about French cuisine, the quality of the champagne just seems like a very strange thing to be the one that everybody talks about. That, that's just that's just what I wanted to put out there. Like, if you wanted to talk about the various sorts of, you know, in Europe, you have, the, of course, in particular, this very strong desire to protect the national branding and reputation and kind of exclusive rights to specific sorts of legacies and products. Right. Scotch is from Scotland. You know, it isn't from Hoboken. Right. Oh, um, that kind of thing. In particular, strong in the United States in certain places, too, with bourbon and whatnot. But like uh, it just it just it just strikes me of all the things like if you were to go to places where people have been doing the same thing for a really long time and they're really good at it, you know, sometimes they actually are really good at it. And sometimes they don't even get rich doing it and they're still really good at it. Right. Um, and, and and I think that uh, that that is interesting. And I'm sure there are lots of places. I mean, I'll ask you, Mark, where's the place you went where the people had a reputation there for doing a particular thing like really, really well. And it ended up being like really, really good. Um, like it actually lived up to the reputation, uh, to maybe, I would even say to a greater degree than champagne is distanced from other sparkling wines. I mean, to be really basic about it, like pasta and red sauce in Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought you were going to also mention the prawns in Singapore or something. Um, didn't you go to those like Michelin star restaurants and like the public housing units in, uh, in Singapore? Oh, also that. Yeah. 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 Oh, chicken, chicken, literally chicken and rice, Michelin star chicken and rice for oh, like man. five bucks. <laughs> Yeah, and, but yeah, the red sauce in Italy, it, it's like, how is it that good? I felt that way about the tomato bread in Spain. It's like, how is it that good? I mean, I feel that way about uh, fried Pete, clams it's, it's on the because, North Shore. It's because the, 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 the tomatoes are grown in the, the volcanic soil of Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> and they, you know, the, 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 the unique terroir of the, uh, of the Appalachian that, uh, you know, makes it all so delicious. Do you think the fact that we use a French word for the violent overthrow of the government makes people not take it seriously? <laughs> it is interesting that, that <laughs> like, you, you have heard, I mean, you have heard insurrection a lot more right, these right. days, which is, a, I'm just going to say, it's an underappreciated Star Trek film. Like, <laughs> it's like... It's hey, it's only two. Uh, it's it's like a two-hour episode of Star Trek. Yes, exactly. That's a good thing. That's a feature, not a bug. That like we got a two-hour episode. We we were blessed with a two-hour episode of of Star Trek, and we didn't we didn't yeah. do it. But I'm with the Dune buggies because yes. that was not no. Cool. That, that's Nemesis, right? Or is yeah, that Nemesis. I think Nemesis. Okay, has all right, Dune all right. Nemesis is the redeemable garbage. Insurrection is fine. Insurrection is where everything went wrong, I think. And at least according to the book, there's that that's the one that has the great book that was never published. That's you can find in PDF hanging around the Internet. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's called Fade to Black or something like that or Fade yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. It's by Michael Pillar, who was a, who right. was a writer on that uh, that show. Um, I mean, I think I think part of the joke there that you brought up, Matt, which is worth saying, is that, you know, 
when something gets involved in kind of statecraft, right, it feels like it takes on a different air. Um, but I mean, we've alluded to white supremacy a bunch of times in the podcast. And I think that it one of the things that we've witnessed over the last few years is the broadening of the popular use of that term to refer to like a really, really wide variety of things. Um, and it, it is a hard thing to talk about the it is hard to talk about the various levels of escalation and the sort of greater or lesser degrees of institutional organization, the greater or lesser degrees of sort of overt agendas versus versus less overt agendas versus things that people are doing on purpose or aren't doing on purpose versus like nativism generally, as it applies like indistinctly to all populations that experience like, uh, you know, phenomena of, of, of this sort. Right. That this sort being like, how do people behave when they're in the midst of mass migrations? Mm. And so so and that's not to excuse it, but to say what of it is distinct about this group of people as opposed to other group of people, which of it is like predictable and needs to be proactively dealt with. And if you ignore it is going to be a problem. And then what is like a whole bunch of people getting together creating a group for this express purpose. What is the whole bunch of people getting together, creating a group for a different purpose? Like there's just so many different gradations and types of problem. And I feel like you, I mean, with the polarization, polarizing atmosphere, I feel like I run into either everything is it and everything is the worst or everything is being exaggerated and nothing is that bad. Um, and I don't, obviously I don't, I don't abide by the latter. I grew up in New Jersey I know racism is real. Right? Like I, I grew up like you know less than ten miles away from the Morgan Freeman school and lean on me, right? Like I, I understand the vast gulfs between you know the uh, the privileged and the unprivileged. Even though I, you know we can all talk about the use of the word and and its provocativeness, uh, and and the sort of uh, various tactics and rhetorical things that everybody is doing. But I, I would just, I what I would just say is like, um. It is hard to describe what is happening. And I think that is part of what is funny about the joke, because there are so many different meta discursive conversations that are happening about so many important things that are happening on so many different levels that seems so difficult to discuss all at the same time that you have to pick what level you're going to engage with it on, um, which feels a lot like wine culture, honestly. Like, <laughs> do you need I, I need a red, right? I, I need a Malbec, right? Like, oh, no, I need this Malbec. Right. Um, that kind of thing. And it's like, I don't know what level we're talking about this on. And I think that especially when you're talking about, you know, people killing police officers by crushing their brains with fire extinguishers so that they manage to go home before they pass out and die from a stroke. Um, like, you know, hypothetically, if the president of the United States were to incite a group of people to do that, which he did, um, then, you know, I'm kind of interested in the specific people who did it and the specific people who encouraged them to do it and the specific organizations that might have spent like money and resources to like make that happen. And I do also care about the much broader problems and the messages that it sends. But I would like to see this thing dealt with on like a variety of levels. Right. Like is, is uh, I would like to see specific consequences, if possible, um, in addition to the sort of general and broad consequences uh, that that maybe we would all like to see in various ways. Uh, moving forward. So sorry, I'm, I'm venting again and I'm taking your meme and it's your meme. It's not my meme. I, I, um, I understand there's, there's a tree over some power lines. It's uh, you know, <laughs> it looks honestly, it's probably white rot, but uh, which would be, <laughs> 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 oh. Oh. let's, uh, let's give the final, let's give the final word to Mark on, on this, his last uh, podcast before he, he heads into uh, a little bit of parental oh, leave. Mark. Uh, not, not much to say here because this has gone on, on, on quite a long time here, but, um, 
uh, I would just like to, first of all, just reiterate, like, you know, how seriously we should all be taking this uh, a moment here. And, you know, we've had some fun, of course, you know, we, we talked about these jokes here and this is our way of processing it. But like everybody, please, you know, stay civically engaged and, you know, combat this terrible evil that has uh, befallen us. Um, so there's that piece of it. Um, and then only remains to thank uh, Matt, Pete, for uh, you know, doing this thing with me so many years and uh, for all the audience for listening and, you know, putting up with me and my weird Star Wars jokes and uh, just ranting about Star Wars squadrons. Guys, play play some Star Wars squadrons with me someday. Um, and then uh, I will be back at some point. Yep. TBD. It's uh, to figure out how to do this. Yeah, it's uh, it's good luck and see you soon. It's uh, not a goodbye. And, and thank you very much, Mark, for uh, everything that you contribute on a weekly basis to this this podcast. We will uh, we will miss you. There will be a Mark shaped hole. Uh, in the overthinking podcast, every time that you're not here with us. All, All right, thanks, Matt. Let's uh, yeah. let's, and that's because we care about the way that things should be, but also because we have faith that they can be that way again. Mm, indeed. <laughs> thanks, Pete. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> this has been the overthinking podcast thank you for listening thank you mark and pete for uh, podcasting with me we'll be back next week with more overthinking a podcast we'll see how things manage to get worse. no it's every <laughs> pete, pete says pete says everything is fine the wind no, is going I'm to blow the, blow the tree no, that's <laughs> why i'm over exaggerating ah, i'm throwing an allen wrench <laughs> That's that's what it is. I feel like we were going to get comments about that. Like, what is Pete, is Pete okay? Is he rattling his chains in his thing? Like, no, it's no. A- I've been absentmindedly twiddling the Allen wrench that I used recently to drop my child's crib mattress because he got he's gotten tall enough that he could potentially climb out. Because in this house, we recognize when we have responsibility for protecting potentially at-risk places. (laughs) There we go. We'll see you next week. Until then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It It probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve.